The NFL draft is over. We're going to recap the draft before transitioning into the NBA playoffs. Stay tuned. Welcome to episode two of the Give and Go podcast. Please go rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. I'm Ed. You can follow me on all social media platforms at FreshPrince underscore 252. I'm here with my co-host, Julius. You can follow him on social media at JujuBeans underscore 12. And we have a special guest with us today. My boy. My best man. Day, you can follow him on all social media platforms at Dr. Esquire Dave. That's doctor with a DR. Do not be mistaken. Yo, Dave. Yo, what's good, y'all? I appreciate y'all for having me. Okay, okay. Juju, what's going on with you? What's up, what's up, man? What's up, man? Glad to be another episode. Let's get it. Yes, sir. This is episode two. The rookie Jalen Hurts episode, the Lonzo Alfonso ball episode. Let's get right. What y'all got? Oh, <laughs> Wait, yeah. What's wrong with Lonzo, yeah. Wrong with Lonzo ball? You know, I'm going to go with the Caleb Love episode, baby. Oh, Mr. Hey. <laughs> it's the Love Show. Shout out Caleb Love. Hey, yo, this is uh the King of the North Kawhi Leonard episode. Also, the living legend Derek Jeter episode. Respect, respect, respect that. As long as you ain't say Joe Johnson. All right, <laughs> yeah. you know he was on my list. You know, you know he was really on my list. Was say Lamelo Ball. Yeah, he was oh, on my list. He was on my list too. He was on my list too. But I went with champions. I went with champions. Yeah, we know he ain't that. Yeah, we know he ain't that. You right hey, about hey, Relax, relax, relax. <laughs> All right, let's get things kicked off. We're going to go back talk about some winners and losers of the NFL draft. Let's go uh, with a couple winners. Julius, let's start things off. You got any winners of the NFL draft? Oh, yeah. You know, one of my favorite winners is the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs going up and getting – actually, not even moving up, just letting Trent McDuffie fall to him and also – Carl Loftus from Purdue, and mm-hmm, who I mm-hmm. think is one of the underrated receivers in the draft, Sky Moore, who's going to fit the offense real well. I love what Kansas City did in their first couple of rounds. That was solid. That's solid. Kansas City, Kansas City normally does do good in the draft. They actually drafted Patrick Mahomes, 10th overall, when everybody was passing on him. And Andy Reid had the sight to like, let me go trade up for this guy. And if everybody knew Patrick Mahomes would be who he is today, he definitely would have went number one in the draft. Number so one with no hesitation. Kansas City been winning for a while. The team I have as a winner is the New York Jets. The Jets had three first-round picks. They started by getting the cornerback out of Cincinnati, Sauce Gardner. That's That's a bad man. He uh he's coming in there. 
he gonna get a, a wide receiver to go with him. They had a 10th pick in the first round, and they got Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. They hoping that Wilson, the Wilson connection kicks in strong for him. They trying to get some good marketing dollars there. I see what New York is doing in the Big Apple. Uh, and then you got Jermaine Johnson, who a lot of people had as a top 15 pick, fell all the way down to the mid-20s. The Jets were able to trade up from the second round and snag him. So they started off the draft strong. And then you come right back in the second round and get Brees Hall. That is a crazy draft that they had. That's four starters to me. Like coming in day one, they got four starters. That's that's all you need for a win. I'm not even going past round two. <laughs> I love Brees Hall in that offense. Brees Hall with Michael Carter, both of them can catch out the backfield. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna look good. Along with uh, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Robert Sled got something in New York. Oh, he better. I feel like they ain't gonna they ain't gonna have a a long leash on him. <laughs> nah, man. Nah, yo, the the Jets and the Giants, to me, like they were the two the two teams that um had like the best drafts. You know, I thought that, you know, with the Jets getting uh Gary Wilson, you know, as you mentioned, uh Sauce Gardner. You can't have too much sauce with that. So, you know, they, they got some good picks. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, went to the Giants. I think, I, I think personally, I think that's going to be, you know, the NFC defensive rookie of the year. Definitely. Um, that's that's my pick. Um, does this, like, move the meter as far as them, you know, making the playoffs? Uh, it, it gets them to maybe probably sniff it. But to me, man, this is a good step in the right direction. So those are my two, the two best teams that stood out to me. Oh, no, we're going to come back to that. We do agree with you on Thibodeau because I think me and Julius had Thibodeau number one on the board. Yes. As the best player in the draft. So I'm mad that he's in my division. But when you said that they're going to sniff the playoffs, <laughs> I got them at third and a half in the division <laughs> fighting with the Redskins. So uh, I, I do like what they did in the draft, though, but it's just they're – we're going to touch on that a little bit later. I think they're trying to position themselves for the future more than right now, especially at that quarterback position. So you got another, another winner, Julius. Uh, Dave, Dave spoke on my second winner and you spoke my third. My second winner was the giants mm-hmm. getting, being able to get two potential top three picks mm-hmm. in Evan Neal at number seven and, and Kayvon Thibodeau at number five. And then the Jets, we all know what the Jets did in their first round, especially stealing Jermaine Johnson at 26. And then my my other uh, great pick, great team to look at is the Philadelphia Eagles. They had a, a decent draft. I, I, I'll what? Say they had a decent draft. What they Go ahead and recap it. What did they do? <laughs> what, what Philly do? Go ahead. Talk to me now. Philly drafted Jordan Davis in the first round. Moved up to go get Jordan Davis, uh, and then was still able to get N'Kobe Dean at pick 83, which I don't even know how or why he even fell that far. You don't want to talk That's about crazy. surgery and all that. That's still, enough. he fell to 83. That's enough. I know they ain't do nothing else. <laughs> That's all I'm going to speak on. I ain't going to talk about A.J. Brown or anything like that. Hey, the, 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 biggest, the biggest trade of the weekend, man. <laughs> 
the biggest trade, dude. They they finesse they finesse some people. <laughs> so, yeah, man. man. But I, I like it. I like um I like this move, you know, as well. I thought the Eagles had a great draft. Um to me, I mean, Eagles were like some of the teams that, you know, they were already kind of playoff contenders that, you know, were able to make, you know, moves like this with trades and still be able to uh have some great picks in the draft. I think, you know, with the Bengals with what they did with the in the offseason, picking up Daxon Hill, a safety to go along with. Uh, Jesse Bakes in that uh, defensive, uh, you know, back uh, that that uh, last four, that secondary, you know. So, um, yeah, like so teams like the Bengals, Eagles, even, you know, even the Chiefs, like you all mentioned. And some of some of these contenders have uh, made some good picks to be able to along with their offseason, um, their offseason moves. So and even one, I don't remember the I don't remember the guy's name. But uh, the the Chargers drafted him, I think, in the first or second round. But it was an offensive lineman, and you know, I think like the Chargers are really are really gonna, you know, make this push, man. I'm, I I wish they would have made the playoffs last year, but I think you know, like with you know, getting Khalil Mack and uh, I think they they got J.C. Jackson as well, and then they they showed up their offensive line, you know, in this draft too. So, man, like that. Yo, they like some of these contenders really did a good job. They didn't have like the bet. I don't think they had better drafts than you know, like the Jets or the Giants, you know. But they were able to, you know, make some solid moves. Well, I'm not even going to touch on my team. Y'all said enough about the Eagles. You know, we do big thing. Uh, but my last winner and the team that I think had the best draft, as they normally do, is the Baltimore Ravens. They sat there as we jumped in front of them because we had intel that they wanted Jordan Davis and they let the board fall to them. They took Kyle Hamilton. They widely regarded as the best safety in the draft. After that, they went and drafted the center from Iowa. Uh, Tyler Lindenbaum widely regarded as the best uh, center in the draft. Second round. What did they do? Let the board fall to him. Get David Ajabo, who would have been a top 15 pick in the draft if he ain't tear his Achilles at his pro day. Third round, they got the defensive tackle Travis Jones from Connecticut. It's like they just sat there and let the board fall to him and took the best player available every time. And they really didn't care. They got two starting safeties. Took Kyle Hamilton anyway. He's the best player on the board. They're not playing any games. Pittsburgh. Normally has great drafts. I'll say they had a good draft, but just because they picked Kenny Pickett alone, I'm not going to allow them to be in the good draft category. <laughs> just from Kenny Pickett alone. Now let's, uh, Kenny Pickett. let's transition to some losers. Who are some teams that had bad drafts before we move forward? Some losers of the draft. My number one loser goes to that team up north, NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings. They Ooh. lack corners. They lack DBs. Other than Patrick Peterson, they lack DB corners. I ain't going to say DB. I love Harrison Smith. But they lack corners. And so you you just said, okay, um, Detroit, I'll let you trade up, take our pit. We'll trade back just so you can go get Jamison Williams. You know, we'll love to get torched by Jamison Williams this year. And then you say, okay, Detroit is not good enough. Let's go to Green Bay. Green Bay, you want to pick, you want to move up? 
okay, you can move or you can take our pick and you can go ahead and get Christian Watson. So you got two two receivers in there that, that I feel like is going to have a ball against that Vikings defense. I can't see the Vikings doing anything with Kirk Cousins yet. I still I still do have the Vikings winning their division. It's just I don't understand why you just allow your division rivals to get receivers when you lack DBs. That's that's my number one uh loser on the on the draft board. Gotcha. That makes sense. My uh a loser I got is the Patriots because they just do weird stuff. Um and nobody calls them out on it. We just accept it because Tom Tom Brady and Bill Belichick built a culture there that you just gotta trust that they know and they're doing the right thing. And I'm sorry I'm talking about your team, Dave, but the Patriots have to be spoken about. They drafting two running backs, and they already got five on the roster. They already cut one after the draft, and now they draft. Why are you drafting two running backs when you got Ramondre Stevenson? Oh, my you goodness. Got, you got James White. You got uh, – who's the one from Alabama? Damian Harris. So they got four solid backs. They cut one, and they drafted two more. What are they doing with six <laughs> running backs, Dave? Tell us what hey, the team is doing. Hey, look, look for the record, for, and for those listening, the, the New England Patriots are definitely not my football team. My football team resides in Charlotte, North Carolina, on Mint Street, the Carolina Panthers, which had a much better draft than the than the Patriots did. You know, we, I, I let me actually, I, I should have mentioned this earlier that we got my boy at number six, my Nigerian brother Iki, Ikemu Kwangu. Uh, to shore up our offensive line. And I like what we did. I wanted us to somehow, you know, trade up to get Malik Willis. You know, I know I respect that he went to the Titans. I think that's a good move for the Titans to be able to, you know, back up rank Ryan Tannehill. And he, he even got Ryan Tannehill kind of kind of scared a little bit. So uh, if we weren't going to get a quarterback in Malik Willis, you know, I like what we did in getting Corral. I think Corral will be a starter one day. Um, still not sure what, you know, the front office and the coaching staff is going to do at quarterback, you know, still got Sam and and uh, Cam on the roster, um, you know. So hopefully, you know, Corral can be a, a starter one day, but we'll see what um, what what direction we go in. But I, I like I like at least those moves that we did. And we did get a linebacker, um, you know, and uh, later on in, in the around uh, five, I believe. So, yeah, um, it, it wasn't a great draft for my Panthers, but. Uh, it's been better than others. I'll say that. So you got another loser, Julius? Uh, yeah, yeah, So we, we are clear. Uh, you're not a Patriots fan. Oh, okay. Got uh, that out of the way. You, you about to get your doctorate, Dave? Yeah, yeah. I'm about to get my doctorate. You about to get your doctorate. From what yeah. school? Uh, from University of Connecticut. Oh, that's up in the Northeast, right? It is in the Northeast. Okay. Hey, you got another loser? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, come on, bro. Come on, bro. You can't. Come on, bro. Hey, look, we're in the North, in the Northeast, but my team. Hey, look, you live in North Carolina, but your team is in Philly. Hey, come on, man. Yeah, because somebody got to represent winning in this state, right? Hey, hey, some, hey, somebody got to represent winning in Connecticut in the north, in the in the in the uh, Northeast. Somebody got somebody got represented. exactly the Patriots with no no no, I, no 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 <laughs> no exactly no, you're man. right you are no, right no 
No, man. No, 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 <laughs> man. Uh, no, man. Somebody got to represent the realists in the South. And not, not South with a TH. South with an F. The South. <laughs> the Dirty South. The Dirty South. Someone got to represent the realists in the South. You, so you're bringing up some of that Southern hospitality. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing the sauce and the Southern hospitality everywhere. Respect. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad we got that clarified for everybody on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me go ahead with my second loser. My second loser is the Chicago Bears. 100%. That's one of mine. Go ahead. And that and they're a loser in my board because they're also in that NFC North with the Vikings, and they decided they didn't want to move up with the Vikings. Vikings were so willing to give out free receivers to everybody else. They should have went up and gate and got a receiver uh, to help Justin Fields, in which they did not. Um, they also, uh, even though they did draft, they did draft some linemen, but they drafted them uh, later on the rounds, round six, round seven. Uh, I don't know of any good linemen that last uh, went late in the rounds, but they still did not replace Allen Robinson. They don't have no number one or number two receiver, and they need help because uh, their left side of that line – oh, not the left side, the right side of that line is weak. So they didn't get no help on the O-line, nor did they give Justin Fields any help who is supposedly your future franchise quarterback. So we'll see what happens with the Bears this year. Yeah, and I had them as a loser as well because the same reasons I feel like – and I'll touch on this later – when you have a young quarterback, the thing you need to do is surround them with weapons and or protection, one of the two, or give him a strong running game. Give him a good supporting cast so you can at least allow him to be successful. Most of the time with young quarterbacks of African-American descent, they do not provide them with weapons or protection to allow them to be successful and then complain about why they are not being successful. And then I feel like Justin Fields is just being set up for failure. And I'll I'll touch on that a little bit more right when we close out on the draft. Another loser I had was the Tennessee Titans. All because you trade A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles for the 18th pick and the 101st pick in the 2022 NFL draft. What do you do with that 18th pick? You draft a receiver named Traylon Burks, whose ceiling, get this, this way I'm going to get technical. The ceiling and pro comparison for Traylon Burks is A.J. Brown, who they just gave up. Now, are they trying to be cheap? But what if... Hypothetically, because the NFL draft is all about projection. What if Traylon Burks does not become A.J. Brown? What are they doing? Like, if you have the, like, if you, it's the difference between a good franchise and a bad franchise. Look at the difference between what Tennessee did versus what San Francisco did. Debo deleted everything about San Fran. And they said, we still ain't trading you. John Lynch said, oh, okay. And he ain't going nowhere. Tennessee on the first sign of trouble, they were like, uh, uh, 
okay, they didn't even get good value. And I'm an Eagles fan. Oh, like, oh, that's all we gave up. Hollywood Brown got traded for a first round pick. We traded a first and a compensatory third. That means it's really a fourth. We traded a first and a fourth for AJ Brown, who I think is a top 10 receiver. And we could go, we could go into that later on in the offseason, but I think he's a top 10 receiver. I don't think Hollywood Brown is in the top 10, but I think he's a solid receiver. He's going to be a nice weapon for Kyler Murray, who lost the weapon, DeAndre Hopkins, from taking performance-enhancing drugs, trying to make sure that he is a better receiver than the other young guns who's coming up trying to take over his mantle. But, yeah, I definitely had Tennessee as a as a loser in the draft. If you don't mind, I got I got one more loser for you guys. Hey, um, the, the loser I have is uh, the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm also picking on them because they are the Atlanta Falcons, the the jig Atlanta Falcons at that. Um, you know, I I actually do like. Um, it's just a matter of like this. What are they doing with the, these these pick selections? You know, I I don't think they address all of their needs uh, right away. I mean, I like Drake London, but you have you you have uh, weapons and uh, you know Kyle Pitts and I believe they still have uh, Cordell Patterson. I believe they could have maybe even tried to even try to address maybe the line or the running back situation. Maybe try to even try to even get a quarterback. You know, maybe at that early. Um, I'm not sure how sold they are on Marcus Mariota, but uh, Drake London. I mean, I like I like the kid, but I thought he went a little bit too early. And it's just really the pixel. I know after that they got an edge rusher at number 38 and they got a linebacker from Montana state or Troy Anderson at number 58, but, and then going to get a quarterback Desmond Ritter at number 74. I don't, his ceiling is pretty low for me. Um, I don't think he's going to be, you know, much of a, I think, I think his, his ceiling is, you know, a long-term backup, some, somebody like a, you know, like an AJ McCarron type of guy, Um, you know, so I, I just kind of question, how they were addressing their needs, you know, at the beginning of the draft. So, but yeah, that that's my, I think that's my loser that the Atlanta Falcons stand out as my, as my big loser for this draft. I agree with that. And you know, they, uh, they're in the need of wide receiver help because, uh, one of them spent too much time on bet MGM. Hey, too much, and, too much time in the casino, man. Yeah. I, he, I, uh, I, I get that though. Yeah. But, so they had they drafted a receiver early just so they could have one healthy so they could line up. Because in our first episode of the pod, I said they need to get a receiver because their number one receiver before the draft name was Almaday Zacchaeus. <laughs> that can't be your number one. I like him, though. He can't be your number one. So they went out and got Drake London uh, just so they could have somebody healthy for, uh, for the beginning of the season at receiver. But then I'll go a step further with you, Dave, on that Desmond Ritter point. You take him over Malik Willis in the fourth yeah. round. Like you, you, that, you, you had you had ample opportunity to even go get a Willis, uh, a Corral. You even could tr- could have tried to get a Kenny Pickett. I know, I know. People will talk about maybe the the small hands and things. And I know you guys talked about you know Aiden with his small his small arms yesterday on the last episode, but I think. I, I don't I, I won't say Kenny Pickett will be uh 
I, th- I think he'll be a good starter. I don't think he'll I think he'll be somebody like a like a, a Kyle Bowler, you know, the guy that used to play for the Ray Ravens. <laughs> that uh he he was um you know he was a he was a starter. He's a, he's just a starter, he's not like a, a great quarterback, he's just like kind of a, a starter, you know. Like if he has a good team around him, <laughs> he'll be he he might he might do something, but he's he's just like a starter. I'm not sure how much he'll do in the league, but you know that's that's his ceiling for me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I agree with you on, on Ritter. Uh, for some reason, I've never heard of a right-handed quarterback not being able to throw right. I've never heard of that in my yeah, life. So I agree with you. But of all quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that you could name, you can't. How did Kyle Bowler come to your head? Because I tell I tell you. Because Kyle Bowler was a starter for a minute for the for the Baltimore Ravens, but he wasn't like he wasn't like good. He was just like what they just had, no. what they had. Now that's like, that's something that that's something him and Kenny Pickett got in common. <laughs> They're not good. <laughs> and you could just end it right there. And after that, I got no further comment on Kenny Pickett, and we can move on. I'm not talking about Kenny Pickett no more on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey! You know, you know, I gotta ask some some. Some you know some uh you know flavor man some some unexpected flavor some 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 <laughs> some you know Max Kellerman type of take you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's why Stephen A. got rid of him. <laughs> All right, like right when we close out, let's talk about uh, is there any players we gonna watch from the draft moving forward, or is there anything? Any trend in the draft that stood out to you? Oh, yeah, I could I could talk about a player. One player I'm gonna watch for sure. Well, you brought him up earlier is David Ojabo, mm-hmm. uh, who we all knew was a was a potential top 15 pick until his Achilles injury. You know, then the Ravens just so happened to get him at pick number 45, which is a great pick for Baltimore. But I do want to see uh if he's able to ball out when he comes back from his injury 100 percent I think he'll have an instant impact just like their safety, uh, Kyle Hems. I think both of them will have an instant impact, and that Ravens defense would be back um, to the old Ravens defense that we're used to. So, yeah, that's David Ojabo is definitely one player I can't wait to see get back to 100%. Yeah, and Kyle, Kyle Hamilton was one of mine because, like, just naturally, if the Eagles traded up, the two top players on the board are Jordan Davis and Kyle Hamilton, and we chose Jordan Davis. Kyle Hamilton went right after him. So just naturally, I'm going to look at how his career goes over time and just see if we made the right decision. But I don't want to be like a armchair quarterback and just trying to critique the pick in the future because I like the Jordan Davis pick now. I just want to see how Kyle Hamilton does moving forward. Two players that I'm going to look at as well are two of my favorite receivers coming in the draft was George Pickens, who I had as the number two receiver in the draft, and Calvin Austin, who I had as the number one most exciting player in the draft. And they both were drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, which means that they both will end up making a Pro Bowl at the wide receiver position at a certain point in time. Because, uh, well, I don't know. Not if Kenny Pickett's the quarterback. I don't know. They might they might be in trouble. <laughs> But yeah, uh now regarding the trend, unless you got you got another player you wanna uh 
You going to watch moving forward, Julius? What you brought up on earlier, your boy, your quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I am I'm willing to – I can't wait to see what he do this year. He has no excuses. That defense has gotten better with Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a, a true number one receiver now in A.J. Brown. Talk to him. Which Devontae could be number two. Let's pressure off of Devontae. He can go against them number two corners. 1A, 1B. Okay. <laughs> Along with uh, uh, Goddard. Yeah, so so he got the weapons around him. He got the O-line. He got the defense. He just got to execute. Now, this is – I told you last year I count that as his rookie year. That's his true full season, uh, just like Burrow. And this year, this is going to be his year number two. We're going to see how he's doing year number two under this offense. Eagles need to sniff a division title. You know, that that's what needs to happen, you know. They need to sniff it like it's some barbecue. Need to sniff that. <laughs> I'm glad you said barbecue and not anything white and powders. All right. Hey, but but hey, let me let me tell you about a about a guy that you that we that's gonna really stand out, especially in his rookie year and even like you know for years to come. Uh Derek Stingley out of LSU got drafted by the Houston Texans. Um, you know, that he I know like he didn't play much, you know, during his uh last year at LSU and you know during 2020 as well, but uh you know that that's that's a baller like that's a that's that's a dog right there um you know even you know when they won the championship in the, during the 2019 season you know he was you know their their best he was a lockdown corner um i think that i think that Derek Stingley is going to really you know uh really come in and impact that secondary right away and even you know just be able to um lock in with the number one wide receiver by by you know game by week nine, week ten, he's going to be able to do that, uh, if not earlier. So I, I like I like Derek Stingley, and I like this trend. I, this year was you know very different uh, as far as you know um, very weak quarterback class. Uh, you know the first quarter well, well <laughs> I, I won't mention Kenny Pickett, but he was selected in the first round. But there wasn't really any other quarterback that 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 got selected until like round three so you know um it was a weak quarterback class i don't expect that uh next year with bryce young and cj stroud expected to to come out um you know they're i know they're underclassmen but we'll see what happens uh but you know this 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 draft had a lot had a lot of good you know wide receivers wide receivers went you know a lot in the first round uh some good corners some safeties uh you know some notable safeties went with Kyle Hamilton, Daxton Hill out of Michigan, um, you know, corners, you know, with Derek, as I mentioned, Sauce, and, um, you know, there's offensive linemen galore. So, you know, it was one of those years where uh, the other, the other, you know, skill sets uh, shine, but, you know, we'll see what happens next year. Maybe there'll be uh, more quarterbacks and more running backs next year. And I want to go to another point that ties into what Julia said about Hurts is like, I like the fact that they're giving these young quarterbacks weapons and saying, okay, you need to do something with your time now. Same thing's going on in Miami. Uh, Tua Tugavaloa has Tyreek Hill, the Cheetah, and Jalen Waddle down there ready to play ball. They're ready to score, and if he can't live up to the score, they're going to move on. 
they have two first round picks next year, and so do the Eagles. And that goes to the last trend that I saw is that no, there's five teams that currently have two first round picks in the 2023 NFL draft that is already noted to have a couple potential franchise quarterbacks. None of those five teams with multiple firsts drafted a quarterback in the draft before the seventh round. And that was the Miami Dolphins. They drafted a quarterback in the seventh round. That tells me that they're all in the position of the quarterback they currently have is put up or shut up time and they need to do something with what they have. That's why I think, I really think the Giants are kind of angling for that, even though they only have one first round pick. I think the Eagles are really trying to win. They want Jalen Hurts to be that guy. And then if they have two first round picks with Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they feel like they're going to load up. But if there's any doubt in their mind that Jalen Hurts can't be that guy, they're going to move on. And I know that, and Jalen knows that. And he said pretty much that in his uh, press conference the other day that he was like, it's my team right now. This is my opportunity. And that's how she should look at it. This is his opportunity. And right now with his team, what is he going to do? So you can't you can't miss that opportunity. But yeah, I like that they gave him weapons. And that's a far cry from what they're doing in Chicago. Most of the time when you have a young black quarterback, you just put him out there with no offensive line. You put him out there with no weapons. And you're like, oh, let him run around a little bit. Let him run around a little bit. Let's see what happened. Cam Newton. They had Steve Smith. And let Steve Smith leave and then want to know why Cam haven't passed for 350 yards or 400 yards since his rookie year. Hey, too man. Many. Hey, too many biscuits and sweet tea in the front office, man. Too many biscuits. That's crazy. And then you want to oh, know who his number chicken. one receiver is? Speaking of too many biscuits, you want to know who they made his number one receiver? <laughs> Go ahead, Smith. <laughs> Kevin Benjamin. Like, come on, man. And then you want to blame Cam. Now he's running up here getting concussions, doing no-look runs into the end zone, getting his head knocked off against the Atlanta Falcons. And then they want to say, oh, he's not the same player he used to be. Of course he ain't. Yeah, no, yeah. And if, that's the conversation. And then with Andrew Luck, when Andrew Luck gets beat up, beat up <laughs> what they say about Andrew Luck, oh, we should have protected him. Yep. We should have we took care of him. So it's just like a narrative thing. And like I feel like if Chicago would have drafted uh, Mac Jones instead of Justin Fields, I guarantee his number one receiver wouldn't be Darnell Mooney. And that's just that's just how I feel about it. But all right, that's my last call. They got good receivers. Who that? Who that? The Detroit Lions. They I was got looking Amon at the and I was like, man, this could be a top, top five, top ten receiving core. Receiving Ten-year-old. core, not by yeah. stats, because Jared Goff is going to lack in that category. But you including TJ, TJ in that. I got T well, TJ will be four. I got I got uh Jamison Williams, mm-hmm. uh DJ Chark, and um the one they, they had last year. Amon St. Brown. Yes. And then you got TJ Hawkinson. Okay. DeAndre Swift in the backfield. He can catch yeah. passes out the backfield. Yep, they they can do something. 
if you can get if you can get Jared Goff from 2018, you'll have something. But yeah. I I like the top three in uh in Las Vegas, top three pass catchers. I like them with uh Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro. Yeah. I really don't know who they got after that, but I like I like those three. And then Amen. we talked about Philly already with the AJ Brown. Uh, I'm trying to think who else got some weapons out there. Hey, the the Broncos can't forget about them, man. They got Corlin Sutton. They got uh Tim Patrick, Jared Judy. Um, they got Noah Fant still. You and know, and, and they just got Russell Wilson. And you know, and I mean, they're they're running backs. I'm not I'm not sure what they they still got at running back, but I know Melvin Gordon was there last year. But that's some weapons. Yeah, I'm sure. They, I'm sure you don't know about Javante Williams from UNC. Yeah, I'm about to say they got the Tar Heel running back, <laughs> Javante Williams. My bad. My bad. Yeah, yeah. The bull from Wallace he? Rose Hill. I mean, Hector yeah. School. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> shout out! Shout out! Uh, shout out, Hector. Pastor. The, ab- the admiral. The admiral. The admiral. No chill. Admiral. He got no chill. No chill, admiral. <laughs> shout out! Shout out, Hector. We gonna know if he listened to this pod. <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, that's the check. We gonna know heck to listen to this part. <laughs> but yeah, y'all got any more anything y'all want to add on the NFL draft before we transition to the NBA? Hey man, the Giants. You know, I mean, they obviously had a good draft, but Evan Neal is gonna be you know an All Pro. I really, I really liked him out of Alabama. So yeah, the Giants, the Giants and Jets again, man. Hopefully this it can be a step in the right direction, and you know coaching doesn't mess this up. Okay, all right, we're going to transition to the NBA second round of the playoffs. All right, we're going to start with the East, the one four matchup. You got the number one seeded Miami Heat versus the number four Philadelphia. 76. All right. Let's start with off with some players to watch for Miami. What's a who's a player player to watch for Miami? Mr. Cold Bloody himself, the sixth man of the year. You already know hero. That's a bad man. This is just instant offense come off the bench, man. He just shout out Jack Harlow. <laughs> he just I don't understand, man. He just flat out good. Just flat out. There's nothing Philadelphia can do with that. Their second unit can't stop him. Nobody on the first unit can stop him. He's just an instant bucket. That's who I, I, That's my player to watch every single time I watch Miami. Who you got, Dave? Man, actually, man, Tyler Hero is my first choice for, like, you know, the X Factor, the player to watch. You know, you got to respect the sixth man. You always respect the sixth man. You know, but <clears throat> I'm glad that Victor Oladipo – is getting minutes, man. He didn't really see much of the first round, but you know, this man, you see that he's balling. You see how he balled in game five, the closeout game against Atlanta. You saw what he did last night. He's averaging, even in the games he's averaging right now in the playoffs, he's averaging 13 and five rebounds, um, you know, three assists. So, hey, not bad for someone that hasn't really played in the last two years. And I, I see him being somebody that's, you know, gonna be you know, the X factor moving forward, especially, if, you know, given if they uh, advance past Philly uh, to the to the conference finals, they're really going to need Victor Oladipo. And especially, you know, you got you got Kyle Lowry out. 
uh, you know, um, Jimmy Butler, we haven't really seen him in like real great form since the bubble. So like, man, Victor Oladipo is going to be that guy that you need to watch out for. Now that they went through the yes, whole roster of Miami, <laughs> I'm going to say that my player to watch for Miami, I'm going chalk. I'm taking, give me Jimmy Buckets. Part of from what you said, like, but he's starting to round back into that form. You saw he had yeah. 45 against Miami. I mean, against Atlanta in the first round. And it's like, they ain't got nobody to stop him. And then him coming out before the the second round saying that, hey, James, he ain't got them free throws. He's like, what he got? He's like, what James Harden got? Ain't, ain't got much. Ain't got much but a belly. That steps that step back don't create any more separation. Nah. <laughs> Niggas checking for the step back now. He can't he can't do that no more. He can't do Baby, that. No more. Well, I like it. My guy, Victor. Ola the X Factor. <laughs> what about what about a player to watch for Philly? A player for me, it I mean. Listen, I mean, when your Batman go down, your superstar go down, Robin is supposed to step up. James Harden is supposed to step up. That's my guy to watch. Philly needs James Harden. They don't need 20 points a game, James Harden. They need 27, 28 points a game, James Harden. And and, and so far, he's not getting the job done. I don't care what the others do because superstars are supposed to step up on the road. So I don't, I don't care about the others. James Harden is holding that team back. That's my player to watch. You got Dave. Hey, man, you, you say James Harden, you expect 28 from him, but you're not going to get 28 from him. You're just going to get maybe 20, maybe eight assists a game and maybe like five rebounds. You know, that, that's that's what he can do right now. That's that's literally what he can do right now. The guy that you saw in Houston, even in Brooklyn before the hamstring, you're not going to see that guy again. But my my guy, the, the player to watch uh, and the player that – I, that definitely needs to step up is Tobias Harris. To, like with, with Embiid out, not even sure if Embiid, we're going to see him uh, during uh, game three or game four as a series shifts to Philly. Tobias Harris is a max player. Max players, you get paid that amount of money. Excuse me, I'm sorry. You're supposed to show up in the playoffs. You're supposed to show up like this. So I know, you know, he he did it. He, he cooked a little bit uh, last night, you know, in, in game two. You know, averaging 19 in the playoffs so far, but that 19 needs to turn into like 25. You need you, you like you you have to, especially against this Miami Heat team that's so deep. You gotta you gotta be able to manufacture, you know, more for Tobias Harris and Doc Rivers has to emphasize that, especially if we're not even sure if you know Joel's gonna come back. So you know, from Harden, you can expect maybe 18, 20 at the most. From Maxi, you might you might get some 30 point games. From Maxi, but Tobias Harris, please step up. SOS for Tobias Harris. Hey, that's a good one. But look, my we going three different angles because I'm going for Tyrese Maxi because he been balling. Nobody talking about he averaging about 23 while James Harden averaging 18, and everybody seemed like they okay with it. This young boy is balling. He need to get some more respect put on his name, and I'm trying to figure out. Will he take the step this year to say, James Harden Cook, give me the ball? And I know that's hard for a young player to do when you got a future Hall of Famer that's Cook, but he has to do it. Or Philly, Philly going home in four. Whether Embiid come back or not, 
Because even if Embiid come back, who going to be number two? Because mm-hmm. if, if they still think harder number two. That's a good point. No, like, that, could, that could work that could without, work against Atlanta. Wait, <laughs> without, without Embiid, Maxi is the best player for the Sixers. Yes. That's why I, that's why I got and, that question up here. Uh, who? And that, bring, uh, that brings to my point, Ed. Uh-oh. On our next thing, things to watch. Mm-hmm. I really do think the 76 just need to let Maxi run that offense, run that show. And and Harden take a back seat, go spot up somewhere, go set a pick for somebody. You get me? Just do something else. <laughs> do something else. That, that that's that's what I really think Doc Rivers needs to say, Maxi, go ahead and run the show. Because Harden is looking bad. He's looking bad out there. He is, and that I had I had him as the player to watch because with him going down. I would say Embiid and Harden because it seems that always in the playoffs something happens. Embiid always get hurt. They lose on a, a quadruple rim bounce by Kawhi fading away in the corner with a blue tone. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what is Joe, is Joel Embiid cursed? Is James Harden cursed even worse? Like, hey man. Like, what's, what's up with the postseason with, with them two? A lot of trolling and a lot of scrippers, a lot, a lot of it, <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot yeah. of it, man. That it may, it may be that karma coming back around, but no, no, it's it's really unfortunate for Embiid. Um, you know, I think with him, if he played games one and two, I, I still would have had. You know, uh, I know we'll get to this. I, I still think Philly would have been uh, at a disadvantage, uh, but you know, you have a, a a fighter's chance and you have a, a win. A, a, somewhat of a winning chance with who I believe is the MVP of the league. So it, it's it's very unfortunate. But for James Harden, man, you know we, you know, you know, in our circle we call him Four uh, PF because he hangs with little baby. But uh, you know, I start calling him, I start calling him Four BF, man. Four bellies full, man. Four bellies full. <laughs> four bellies full, but we keep it a hundred, you know. Um, but you know, he he definitely has his pregame meal before the game, you know. So. Um, I don't know. He just he just lost a step, man. It's I, that's unfortunate, but man, I I'm more sorry for MB than I am for Harden. Yes, and I did yeah. see Terrence tweet <laughs> tweet that uh, the other day, but yes, I do I do feel sorry for MB, and I really hope if MB is not 100, percent especially uh, that they got they do have MB ruled out for Game Three, but they said that can change. Uh, so if he don't play game three and you go down 3-0, I really hope Philly don't rush MB back until he 100%. I mean, I, I can't – no other team has ever came back from 3-0, so there's no need to rush him back. Get, let him get 100% and try again next year. But I do also agree with you. I do think he is the MVP. I still think it's the Joker, but that's just because mm. – I, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say he got bounced in the first round. But I still, it's a regular season award, but it is what it is. Okay, so I, I got a question to pose to you guys. I want y'all to think about all the players in this series before we give our predictions. All the players in this series, who's the worst player that you could name that's still better than James Harden? Ooh. Worst player. 
Ooh. that's still better than James Harden. That's still on, on, on both sides. On both on sides. Teams. They're like, oh, he, oh, he trash, but he better than James Harden now. Like, who is? Oh, it? I, I got somebody. I'll let Julius go right. first, though. Oh no, nah, I, I changed because he said better. Because my worst player in this in this series was going to be Gorgie Niang. <laughs> I didn't know not, he was in the series. Where <laughs> <laughs> he's not, he's not been. Oh, he went over seventy game one. My, my man Niang Niang stole the mess out of Corksmoss minutes, man. Yes, Corksmoss came in game two. He, he came in game two hitting big buckets, but Niang can't hit anything. <laughs> oh man. Okay. <laughs> so who you got, Dave? Worst player in the series, still better than James Harden. This is going to sound crazy saying it out loud because I didn't even know this dude like two months, two or three months ago. But Max Struess is balling for the Miami Heat, man. Yeah. He not really even like doing, he not really doing that much as far as like stat wise, but the impact on the game, man. Hitting, hitting big three in the corner here and there. Let, uh, slide pick and roll layup here and there, slip into the paint here and there. Uh, uh, you know, a block shot, a good defensive play here and there. He not do he not doing much statistically, but the impact that he has on the game, man, it's a lot more than I say that James Harden has right now. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, I like Struess, man, and that he's the reason why Duncan coming off the bench now. Yeah, um, Struess can hit that three, but Struess can also do it on the defensive end as well. Something that Duncan now with. How I thought Spolster were gonna do have Duncan and Hero come off the bench and have that offense there. But you know, Miami is just so deep, you can come up with any second unit. But my player is gonna be who I still think who I think is better than James Harden, but it's the worst player, PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker, man, he just so impactful as well. No matter where he goes, last year he was with Milwaukee, he brings that physicality on defense. He, he, he can up match up guard one through four or two through five. Uh and and you know he got that three ball corner pocket down pack. That's his patent shot there. So yeah, I like PJ Tucker. Um aggressive on both ends, get offensive rebounds, do it all. I know what I'm gonna get from him on a day in and day out basis. I don't know what I'm gonna get from Harden. Those are both good answers, but mine, and I've been watching this dude for like I'll say maybe like two months now. I'm gonna go with Mr. Gabe Vincent. Uh, that dude, uh, he scrap, he ain't afraid, he take big shots, he make big shots, and he ain't afraid to let you know that he made it. Yes, he'll yes. take a charge. He uh, like hey, and it's a crazy. All right, follow up question because I ain't even know we were all gonna say these people. Do it. Say something that we all said. People from Miami. Do that. <laughs> say something about Philly. <laughs> right. Like it just came it, it to my shows mind. how deep Miami is, and and how not so deep, deep Philly bro. is. <laughs> they, if Gabe Vincent was on Philly. It will be one one. <laughs> if he get playing time, because Doc Rivers on rotations is questionable now. And that, that's even a thing to watch, man. Because how he played like with DeAndre Jordan and Paul Reed. Well, one Paul, one Paul Reed can't stay in the floor because he in foul trouble. But you know, him Doc saying, "Hey, we gonna we gonna start. We gonna play DeAndre Jordan, whether you like it or not." Well, we gonna slander you, Doc, if you whether you like it or not. Um, I mean, Ooh. you gotta. You gotta get 
we gotta get we gotta get more out of these rotations, man. Like yes, I, like you know, I don't, I don't, yeah. I, I think we just gotta get more. You, you definitely, I mean, you're not gonna get much out of DeAndre Jordan anyway, but you can get something out of Paul Reed. But you know, with Paul Reed inexperienced, you know, fouling and they're getting up in him. Bam is, I'm, I'm surprised Bam ain't doing much more. There's a clear advantage in the paint that he has without Embiid there. So like, yeah, I mean. Yeah, Doc, Doc, it's on you right now. Yes, because at one point he had DeAndre Jordan and Matisse Thibel in the game at the same time. And I was just like, I don't know. It, it's so easy. It was so easy for Miami to defend that. It was matter of fact, it, it, that was the point Miami went from that uh, up six to up 13. And I was just like, bro, that's just ridiculous. I don't know what your purpose of playing them two at the same time was. And and isn't Thibel like a, a first a first team all defense or first or second team man? Not over Herb like, Jones. Not over Herb like, Jones. At, at least at least from from last season, he's the like one of the rain the reigning guys from that first team all defense. So, man, like I I, I thought you know I see him maybe you know maybe lock Jimmy up or you know just get get up in somebody you know but you're not seeing and you know you're not you're, you're barely getting two or three points from him on the offensive side so yeah. yeah man okay so now series predictions i think this is gonna be fairly agreeable so uh <laughs> who want to start it off miami at five i agree i think I think it's gonna be like I told you before. I would, I would, I would say Miami of four, but Miami for some reason just doesn't sweep anybody. They, they just, I always like to go to that fifth game for some reason. I just don't understand. And you know, and I, I even with or without Embiid, I think it's gonna be Miami of five as well. Miami of four. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving right along. Moving on, the next series we talking about in the East is the two-three matchup between the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, let's do it. Let's start with the uh, let's start with the highest seed, the the Boston Celtics. Who's the player you watching this series? Ooh, Mister. I ain't want to do him like that. I ain't want to do him like that. But it is going to be Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, who what I think gonna, has. What you going to say? We ain't pulling no punches on this podcast. What you going to say? <laughs> I, I was going to call him the next Black Mamba. Ooh, <laughs> That's ooh, what I was going to call ooh. Jason Tatum, oh, the no. next Black Mamba. He, he, he's getting into that killer that I like. I like him, and he's and he's picking up his uh, – Picking it up on a defensive end as well, and he wants to guard the best player. So I, except for Giannis, he can't guard Giannis though. The way he bounced off of him, <laughs> 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 one, he can't guard Giannis. But yeah, you know he's trying to do it on both ends. I, I like his killer mentality he got now. I, I, that's who I want to see uh, in this series. Okay, Dave, you want to go next? Yeah. Um... My player to watch in this series is Grant Williams. Um, you know, in game two, he hit six threes, I believe. I'm not sure if that's going to happen again in this series. But if he can hit big shots from the perimeter and just hit timely shots, 
then that's going to give Boston the advantage in this series. Yeah, I like Grant William from the 704. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, my player to watch for Boston is actually the old man himself, Al Horford, because he did a number locking up KD. And yes, I will say Al Horford locked up KD. Him and Jason Tatum had him in in a uh, he Alcatraz had him in a straight jacket. Had, a, had him in a straight jacket in the <laughs> safe in the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> that, Alcatraz that had no combination to it. Like they, had him, they had him. Uh, Akon even made a song about it. <laughs> I'm a soul survivor. Nah, he was locked up. <laughs> 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 hey, hey, that was close, Dave. That was close, though. We, we good. <laughs> but yeah, and so far in this series, Al Horford has been a, a, a damn good job on Giannis, making him work. That's really all you could do for the great players. Uh, you can make them work. And what's happening is Giannis got to put so much strength and effort into getting to the basket that when he's getting there, he's finishing too strong, missing a lot of the easy shots that he normally get when people get out of his way. But this is the playoffs now. Every basket counts. Every point counts. And they're not giving up anything easy. They're putting in uh, Horford, Tice, Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown, they throwing everybody at him. Grant Williams, like Dave just was saying, they putting everybody on on Giannis, making them work. A bunch of fresh bodies. And I know Giannis is a ball of energy, but he also has to adjust his game to the different looks. Uh, but I do think that he'll figure out how to get by Al Horford uh, as the season goes on. KD struggled with him a little bit because KD is more like a smooth player, you know, he uh he gets from point A to point B and does his thing. It's real smooth. Uh, Giannis is more like a frantic play. It's more explosive. He's like a taller, a taller Westbrook, right? Where it's just like a little twitchy, a little explosive, and it's like it'll be hard for Horford to keep up with him. But what Horford is doing is giving him that space. And Horford is such a smart defender that he knows what angles to take to end up cutting off Giannis. Now, Giannis is still going to give you his 20 points, still going to give you his 13 rebounds, still going to give you six assists, but... Ten assists. Ten assists. It's automatic. You think Giannis is going to consistently give out 10 assists? It, it just feels like it. But, yeah, I mean, like, the average will be around, like, maybe seven. So, yeah. <laughs> that's just what it feels like. Okay. okay. <laughs> I know it, that's, it just what it, that's just what it feel like, you know. But I yeah. mean, Gian, Giannis does it like very quietly sometimes, because right. like even like even I think what was it? game game two, he had like 17, 10, and, and eight. I think in the in the you know by the time it got to the fourth quarter, you know. So yeah, mm-hmm. man, like he sometimes just does it does it quietly, right? But yeah, that's my uh. So Horford is my player to watch for. The Boston Celtics. All right, Dave, you can start this one off. Player to watch for the Milwaukee Bucks. Ah, the player to watch for the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going to say Bobby Portis. I'm going to say Bobby Portis. um, You know, with no Middleton, you know, for the rest of the series. Um you know the the guy other like the guy that can really like make shots for you 
I know. I mean, <laughs> they, they. I'm. I'm just talking about guys that like. We we know guys like like Giannis are gonna are gonna get his, but I'm pointing at boy uh, Bobby Portis because of what he not just what he did last year, but he's a guy that can hit that shot in the th- in the corner that get that can get be an impact guy on defense that can get you some timely buckets here and there. He's not gonna give you like 18, but he'll give you a good 15 and 10, you know. So he I, that's the guy that I'm gonna watch that you know to kind of the role with Giannis in this series. Okay, okay. Who you got? My guy to watch is Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, I'm watching Drew Holiday because with, like you said, with Chris Munson out, possibly they say he's out for the season. I mean, not see, but out for this series. But, you know, with uh, with three days off or four days off between games two and three, I think he got plenty of time to come back by game six. Um, but Drew Holiday, the reason why I'm watching Drew Holiday is because Giannis is going to need that help. Drew Holiday can't keep going. Uh, I think game one he went uh, seven for 20, game two. Uh, yeah, both games he combined 15 for 40. He can't do that when you're supposed to be uh, – I mean, with Chris Munson now, you need to step up your game. The role players are going to do what the role players do, but they're going to follow – the leaders and and Giannis is, is also is going to go and get his. I think Drew Holiday need to pick up his slack, hitting fifteen for forty in games one and two. Yeah, so my player to watch is actually going to be Giannis for some of the same reasons. Without Chris Middleton, is he going to put this team on his back and say, "I'm not losing in the second round"? How much is this quote unquote championship mentality does he have? to where he's not going to use Chris Middleton not being there to not get out the second round the year after winning the championship. I think Giannis has it in him to come out here and average 30 and 17 and six assists and just thoroughly dominate the game. I think he has it in him. But is he going to be able to exert that much effort and energy in a second-round matchup that he's going to have to – put up for the next couple games. I think this is going to be a long series. And uh, I feel like he's going to have to uh, put it on his back. Because like going to Julius player, Drew Holiday, I don't have confidence in Drew Holiday a lot. Like last playoff run, he really didn't do much. He had a couple games in the finals where he he stepped up, but it was really the Giannis and Middleton show. And uh, But it's a trend when Drew Holiday plays well, Milwaukee tends to win because the rest of their players are pretty consistent. They're going to do their thing. So it's really uh, the needle is Drew Holiday. But if Drew Holiday isn't clicking, Giannis is going to have to put on his cape and save the day. And I think he's capable. Yep, me too. I agree. I so, agree right. What's some uh, important matchup or things to watch in this series? Me, I mean, I, uh, y'all brought this matchup earlier. This is the matchup I'm, I'm, I'm a love. It's gonna be the key matchup in the series, and just like Dave Player, Grant Williams, and your player Al Horford, I want to see Grant Williams Al Horford versus Giannis. That's just gonna be the matchup for this series. I mean, I think I mean that's just too many bodies. Giannis, Giannis gonna have to see in a full forty-eight minutes, and they got. 
12 fouls to give. And like you mentioned, you got Robert Mathis. I mean, Robert Williams, along with uh, Daniel Tice come off the bench. That's another 18 uh, fouls there. That's 36 fouls they can give dealing with Giannis. So you can play physical with Giannis all 48 minutes. And with Grant Williams and, and Al Horford on the offense of being stretching the floor for JB, for Tatum, and hitting down that knockdown three uh, that they're capable of doing. So, yeah, that's the matchup. I'm going to continue to watch. What about what about you, Dave? What you got? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, it's an interesting comparison <clears throat> to how uh, the Celtics were able to contain KD and Kyrie versus how they're dealing with Giannis. Um, you know, they've been able to have success so far with, you know, at least, you know, from the previous game with just playing just straight, just man up, like not not going – you know, the zone or like any any type of zone or anything like that. But, you know, starting off the game, just manning up and just having success that way. So um, let, let's see how that continues. Uh, let's see how um, how how Bud and, and the coaching staff from Milwaukee uh, make some adjustments uh, to that. So it's really going to be interesting to see how this uh, in game three, how, how um, Milwaukee adjusts to uh, Boston, particularly Brown and Tatum and and Marcus Smart and and, and Marcus Smart is to come back. Um, how they guard uh, Giannis? Got you. What what I'm watching for is uh Marcus Smart and how often he he falls to the ground. I just want to see how often. Marcus Smart is either taking a charge or flopping or flailing or something because that's the defensive player of the year. And yeah. I, I like Marcus Smart, so I'm not saying that he he's not willing to he's not afraid to throw his body around at all. If it'll help his team win, he's willing to do it, and that's part of the reason that he's hurt now. And like, but that's what made also what made him defensive player of the year. So. Hopefully he has a speedy recovery because they may need him later on in this series. And if they progress into the future, uh, they're definitely going to need him. All right. Now, series prediction. Let me see. I'm going to start it off. I'm going to start it off. I'm going to go Boston in six. I thought about Boston. All year, I think this is the year for him. Like, I think this is like the the CJ McCollum, Dame Lillard going to the Western Conference Finals. This this core has been together for quite a long time. It's been a do- lot of different iterations of it. They had Kyrie there, they had Isaiah Thomas there, Al Horford then left and came back. It's the same team, the same core, and if they don't get past the conference finals this year, I think they'll look at it as a failure. And something clicked this year after they hired Ime Udoka. They are really defending now. Jalen Brown has always been a pretty good defender. He took it up a notch. Tatum has always been at least an average defender. He's really taking it up. I just said Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year. Then you got contributors on defense like Grant Williams and smart defenders like Al Horford. Like that's what that's what'll get them a championship. And they play hard. Yeah, they get three happy a lot. They like to shoot a lot of threes, but people complain about it when they miss them. But when they make them, they say, 
why they only shooting on one side of the court. It's always uh, some type of critique that could happen when you make a miss three. But yeah, I got Boston in six. Man, it's it's uh, I feel like it's gonna go seven. Um, I'm low key kind of you know 50 50, but I can't bet against King Giannis, so Milwaukee in seven. Oh, I like that. I do also think it's gonna be a long series, but I had Boston at six, and I think I'm gonna stick with Boston at six. I honestly think it's gonna be two two tied up going back to Boston in game five. Whereas Boston closed it out five and six in Milwaukee. All right. So let's go. We're going to transition to the West now, to the West side. And we're going to start off with the one versus four matchup where we got the number one seed, Phoenix Suns versus the number four, Dallas Mavericks. Let's go into the. Uh, Players to watch for the Phoenix Suns. I'll kick things off. I think it. I think I'm gonna watch DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, seven footer, number one pick in the draft. Uh, this he trying to get paid, and there's nobody on Dallas that can guard that man. He's gonna have to uh, be the X factor. Luca's gonna get his. Book's gonna get his. Chris Paul's going to score when he needs to, but get everybody comfortable. Aiden could get his own shot. He could get down on the box and then get the ball, do a jump hook. He could face up. He can blow by. He could turn and face and take the jumper. Like, he's a very skilled big, and maybe it goes a little bit unseen by the way that they use him from time to time. But in the first round, when Book was hurt and wasn't playing, Aiden really stepped up in ways that I ain't think he was capable in ways that they really could have used him step up in the finals last year. And that's another team that's on the mission to get back. This is another team that Chris Paul probably looks at this as his last chance to really make a deep run because they're from up and coming teams in the West. And I think if they do make that deep run, uh, DeAndre Aiden will be a big part of it. Man. I'm going to go and, and say Chris Paul. Um, you know, it's it's arguable who the best player in this series is. You can say it's Luca. You can say it's uh, D-Book. Um, you know, you can make you can make an argument for Chris Paul, and I think he's a, the player to watch because he is the guy that, you know, if he plays well in this series, if he, if he plays astronomically well, he like Phoenix may even sweep these guys. Like it's just so crazy how when uh you know like I was just watching, you know, just last night when when you know Phoenix was kind of struggling with, with Dallas a little bit, and you know, they they would just Phoenix just start hitting, <laughs> hitting these threes, you know, in the fourth. And these threes had like statements, man. These threes had state it like it's like these threes had voices. It was like Hey Dallas, get y'all dusty butts out of here. You can't rock with us. Get like <laughs> go home. We're gonna see you when we get home. And when we get and we and then we're gonna win, we're gonna beat y'all there. We're gonna come back here and chill. Like that, that's just it just felt like like them shots that they was hitting. I know like Chris Paul, that man, man, I, I give Chris Paul a lot, a lot of a lot of trash, but 
that mid range is lethal. You know, I mean, I, I still feel like he 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 a little he a little dirty, dirty, but that that mid range that mid range is lethal. I, I can't I can't I can't front on that. So that that's as long as he plays like elite, like uh, at a, an elite level, you know, the the path is clear for Phoenix to go back to the finals. Yep, and I agree with you, David. My player to watch. On Phoenix is Chris Paul. What did Reggie Miller call him last night? He called him Mr. Fourth Quarter is what he called Chris Paul. A man that gives you 10 points a game in the fourth quarter alone. He had 14 or 16 points last night in the fourth quarter. He averaging, he's leading the playoff this year, averaging 10 points, shooting 65% in the fourth quarter. The closer Chris Paul, Mr. Fourth Quarter is what I'm watching. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's good. Christopher Emmanuel Paul, if you guys don't know, I think his birthday is tomorrow. Actually, yes, it is. Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Chris. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's see. I know he wants this ring more than anything right now. But uh, as we go to a players to watch for the Dallas Mavericks, uh. You could kick us off on this one, Dave. Oh man, for the for the Mavericks, I gotta say uh Jalen Brunson. Um man, like these man, these Dallas role players gotta show up, man. Um it's it's gonna be a sweep if they don't show up. I I I was I was kind of you know just cruising and perusing through some stats earlier. And <laughs> and man. The way I mean, the way Jalen Brunson balled out against Utah in the first round, twenty-eight points against the perimeter defense against the wing defenders of Utah, whereas through games one and two he's averaging eleven against uh, the against uh, the Phoenix defense. Man, like they got him in the beyond straight, beyond scared straight program right now. They got they got him locked up something good. Like it's man, like they they're gonna need they're gonna need him to step up. I really got two players to watch. I got I got I got Jalen Brunson and and, and Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> like these these guys need to step up, man. Like, you know, it, it was nice to see, you know, Reggie Bullock, you know, kind of ride with Luca last last night. You know, 16, you can count on the two five two. But man, the, the the guard play has to step up for Dallas and someone has to accompany Luca on this run. I actually Fully agree with you, David, because my players will watch when it comes to Dallas. I have listed as the others and any <laughs> specific player is just flat out the others. And what you talked about, Luka Doncic needs help. Somebody got to step up. Keebler hit four threes uh, uh, in game one, but I mean, he can't consistently do somebody needs to step up. Luka needs him a Robin is what he needs. On a consistent basis, man, it's like it's like Lucas doing a group project right now and still flunking because nobody helping him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's like, and that's why my player to watch is actually Luca, and it's just because I like Luca a lot, and I think he's, I think he a top five player in the league already, and I don't like putting people up there that quick that haven't won anything, but if you look at it, the last two years. They got knocked out in the first round by the Clippers both times. And then he's doing his thing. 
averaging like third his for his career, he's averaging 34 points per game in the playoffs. That's tied for the most in NBA history, tied with one Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So he's my player to watch. And I want to know if he's a top five player, because if he's a top five player, he'll win one game before he gets swept. That's what that's my determination. Especially he don't get help. Yeah. He'll win one game. And he's up here getting 40 points and all and still losing. I understand that, but you might got to get 60, Luke. Yep, I agree with 70. that. You can't go out bad like, like Brooklyn did. Brooklyn went out bad. Only one team been swept so far. They about to get joined but, uh, with Philly. They about <laughs> to get swept. But, uh, so it's going to be Brooklyn, Philly, and I hope Dallas doesn't join that. But one takeaway, I'll say that the Pelicans should be at home feeling good right now that they battled and annoyed this Phoenix Suns team because they look like they chilling in this round. They said, okay, we're going to stop Luka, even though they can't. But they ain't letting nobody else go crazy. I know what Max I Kleber. I don't know if I'll put it like that. Maxi Kleber, he had that big that big game one. But they really not worried about – they not worried about uh, the Mavs like that. They, they had a different level of anticipation and – a different level of uh, what is it? what I want to call it, a effort level that they had to make sure they showed up against the the New Orleans Pelicans, and now against the Mavericks, they like Luca gonna get his. I eventually think that later in the series, they not even gonna put Mikael Bridges on uh on Luca, and they barely gonna put Crowder on. I think they're going to let Luca get his. If he get 50, he get 50. But they're going to say no Brunson, no Dinwiddie, no Finney Smith getting spot-ups. Like, they just going to uh, try to focus on everybody else and limit them as much as possible and then hope Mr. Fourth Quarter could bring it home. That's what I think the plan for. And then you can't forget about Book. We ain't talking about Book this series, this, uh, this, uh, this series yet. I want to give yeah. a shout out to Book who came back early from his hamstring injury. Uh, but yeah, if he get back in the form like he did, he just dropped thirty, or did he have twenty eight and Chris Paul had thirty? It was one or the other. But they both going off right now. Yeah, because Chris Paul was exhausting the full quarter last night. Went and sat down. Next thing you know, Book came in with just back to back daggers, and I was just like, bro, that's just ridiculous. Crazy. So, yeah, so let's transition to uh, – we got to the – we got through the players to watch. So let's go to the the matchups and things we're going to watch in this series. Who going to guard D-Book? How you going to handle D-Book? We ain't talk about D-Book that much until right now. What you what you going to do? I mean, it's a it's a one-two punch with with, you know, Chris and him. I mean, look, like Dallas, Dallas has been, I admit, they've been really, they've been more, they've, they've impressed me with their defense so far in the playoffs, at least not at this point. I mean, like Phoenix is a different beast, but um, it's going to be interesting to see as this series uh, uh, shift to uh, Dallas. Well, one, can Phoenix play the same way that they did at home uh, on the road in Dallas? We saw little lapses of that in New Orleans in, in the first round. And then also, how is Dallas going to deal with D-Book? You know, you got to be able to eliminate one of those guys. 
uh, at least somebody in that backcourt. So, yep, my player to watch, matchup to watch. It's really just the role players of Dallas. I mean, I just it's just ridiculous. I, I just don't understand. Maybe Dallas is just realizing that this is not the Utah Jazz, or maybe Phoenix is just saying, you know, we 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 overlooked the New Orleans Pelicans. We slept on the Pelicans as as they should have, and and they're not going to take it easy anymore. And then they're just going to take over. Maybe they're doing that. Maybe they're just not taking anybody easy anymore. And, and, and Dallas got nothing for him, man. Jason Kidd has no choice but to play small. He has no choice. He has no choice because his, his best big is Dwight Powell. I don't know. He he don't play my guy no more. For some reason, Bo Bond needs I, some I, minutes. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, like he could he can go big. He can go big with Bo Bond, but refuses to because he believes that his best chance to win is playing small. And that hasn't worked out that much. <laughs> you know, man, can so, you just imagine Bobon on defense and pick a road action? Too slow, too slow, too slow, through the legs, <laughs> nutmeg, nutmeg special, man. <laughs> nutmeg <laughs> special, they're gonna be selling them three for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, let me see. If I had to say an important matchup or thing that I'm watching, I'm going to watch how serious Phoenix take the rest of this series, right? Because they coming in this season, they trying to get back to the finals, right? They don't have time to waste. They probably feel like they wasted time in the first series. They don't want to waste any more time. Like you just said, Chris Paul getting tired in the fourth quarter. He got tired a couple fourth quarters in round one. Like they need to get Chris Paul rested. And if they can get him some free rest while the other series are going on, I think that'll be great for him going into the conference finals and or the NBA finals. So let's let's do it. Everybody's favorite part. Series predictions. How how you guys see this uh series finishing off? You can start, Dave. Suns in five. So like you giving? So you giving? I, I give Luca one game. I give Luca one game because I believe yeah. he's that great. And you couldn't give the Pelicans any game because when we were talking before, you, you told me Suns. <laughs> hey, hey, bro, that was that was a uh, disrespect. That was, a mis- that was it, disrespectful. It, you're right. It, it, <laughs> you're right. It, it was shameful and distasteful. I, I, I'll take that. <laughs> And I'm glad you learned from your ways. You hey, gave, hey, you gave Luca one game. <laughs> hey man, bias towards the favorite players. <laughs> what you got, Julie? I had before the playoffs, the second round started, I had Phoenix in seven. But they have shown that this is just a flat out mismatch on all levels. Uh I'm gonna go with what David said. I got Phoenix also in five. I think Luke can mess around and hit sixty and one. Yeah, I agree with both of y'all ninety five percent. But I got Suns in four, and I believe Luca <laughs> could hit sixty in one of them games. And I think he could take the L too. They ain't got nobody for book <laughs> or miss the fourth quarter when he get into that pick and roll. Because if you think about it, the defender who they gonna put they gonna put 
what Dorian Finney Smith on either book of Chris Paul. And then they both coming off screen, one with the ball, one without the ball. They're going to try to force the matchup they want and then try to take advantage. But I got Suns at four. And I do think the sweeps, there'll be more sweeps in the second round than there was in the first round, which seems crazy. All right. Now the last playoff matchup that we got here is the 2-3 matchup. I think it's going to be the best series in the second round. Well, maybe not, maybe not better than the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Boston series, but it's going to be the closest one, the closest competitor. Oh, yeah. And that's the number two Memphis Grizzlies versus the number three Golden State Warriors. I'm going to kick things off with the players to watch for the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm looking at Mr. Ja Morant. Can he take that step into superstardom? That's that's what we want, right? We want Ja to be like, he's that guy. But I've seen too many times when Ja Morant drops 47 like he did, and then he'll come right back next game and drop 22. And be like, Ja, what's up, Ja? You see you dropped 47 and y'all won, Right. Like what, what? What's your next step, John? Are you trying to? Uh, are you trying to take it to the next level? Are you trying to get in that tier that they put Luca in, that Jason Tatum trying to get into? Like, are you are you good where you at? You good grittying on the court and talking to your pops after the game and feeling comfortable? Nothing wrong with that. I just want to know what what John wants. Like, I'm just questioning it myself because I love John. I just want to know how he even want to be viewed. He probably don't even care how people view him as long as they win. But I just wanted this this series, I'm going to be checking on him, and this will tell me how he wants to be seen. I'm going to go with Desmond Bain as a, as a player to watch. Um, this is the second leading scorer in the playoffs right now for, for Memphis with 19. Um, and, you know, I, I think that John struggled a little bit in the first round, um, you know, it could be just playoff immaturity. And it's the first time that Memphis has been a higher seed. At least this core has been a higher seed in the playoffs. So um, I thought Desmond Bain really, you know, stepped in a lot, especially in game three at Minnesota um, in the in the first round. So Desmond Bain, you know, has to be able to provide that that punch that to go along with Ja uh, to kind of to maintain – you know, the offense for, for Memphis. Yep. And my player to watch is, like you said, Ed Ja Morant, because he is that guy, but he's not anywhere as close to Derrick Rose. But he is that guy. Hold on, and- hold on, hold on. Hold on, for context. <laughs> For context, I got a take that I'm going to go ahead and put out there since Julie brought that up. Ja Morant right now is better than MVP Derrick Rose. And everybody think they thinking back on Derrick Rose and his prime. Like, oh, he had this three, four-year run. He had one year averaging 25 and eight. And you could look at the metrics of per 100 possessions to make it apples to apples. If both teams had 100 possessions, this is what the numbers would look like. 
Ja Morant stats is better. And it's more than just stats. Look at the wins they put up. They were the number two team in the NBA. Memphis, we haven't talked about Memphis like this since it was the grit and grind era. And then you got, like, you had, like, three all-stars on that team with Derrick Rose. It ain't no other all-star up there with Ja. Put some respect on that man's name. Derrick Rose, second best season, he averaged 21. If John Morant averaged more than 24 next year, he better than Derrick Rose all time. Straight up. Oh now, you can God. continue. You can continue talking about Ja. Until Ja gets an MVP. And, and Semantics. He can't, he can't talk. Semantics. He can't talk. Memphis has shown that they can win plenty of games without John Morant. I've seen Derrick Rose go down, and the Bulls was flat-out terrible. In his prime? In his prime? Yes. Nah. (laughs) Hey, 2012, when Derrick Rose tore his his, uh, ACL, I believe, that game one, Chicago got – Chicago lost to Philly in six. Molly Wall. It's the reigning reigning MVP. Oh, okay, okay. I got a question for y'all, though. What's Memphis' record in the playoffs without Ja? Oh, they, he, they, ain't miss, they, they, he ain't missed a playoff game. All right, then. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. Oh, so now y'all trying to wish injury on him. No, I'm just saying don't okay. jinx okay. Bro, it. Y'all, bro, y'all stupid to a if new you low. imagine the – Y'all stupid to a new low. I can't – Look, <laughs> you, you take 2010-2011 Derrick Rose versus this season's John Morant. If Derrick Rose would have missed 20 games that season, they would not go 18-2 and two like Memphis did. They would not. Nope. You know what? They'll go barely even. They'll probably even, barely even win ten games. Okay, but guess what? I think Memphis has a better coach than uh, Chicago had. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I I would say that. I, I say that. I, I, a more a better coach, a more promising coach than Taylor Perkins. Yeah, I, I say that. I know Thibodeau. 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 You know he he runs his players to the ground. So I, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. But disrespectful. Okay, go ahead on about job. We going. We going. Not yet. Do you you gay? What's this year? What's this Mo- year? Most important things. Most important things to watch. Year three. Year three for job. Give him some more years. I'm not putting him up there with Rose. What? What is? That's what I'm trying to see. What is up there? Year three for Derrick Rose was his MVP year. Yeah. Yeah. And Ja Morant's stats are better than him. Year three for Ja is not his MVP year. But his numbers are better in every statistical category. I told you. I, that's because that's only because Thibodeau was strictly defense. They ran at a slower pace and all than this Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, but if you change it to possessions, then they take the speed of the nah, game. That's a different style of ball. But we're gonna see. Like I said, I want to. I got to give Josh some more years. I got to give Josh some more years. Mint Rose, there Rose, he was kind of handicapped uh, having to run a half court set. Um, then Jai is Jai is more free on offense. He could do whatever he wants to do. I mean, okay. But he is my player to watch on Memphis. Though. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So now, important matchups, a thing to watch. Oh no no no! 
we got to go to players to watch for Golden State. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. Yeah. The champs think they back. They said, oh, ain't nothing changed. We just got healthy. That's what they saying. Who you watching from Golden State side, Dave? Man, Clay Thompson. I'm watching Clay Thompson. You know, so far in this series, he's 11 of 38 from the field. Um, five of 22 from the three-point line. I mean, in Memphis, it's hard out there for a pimp, and it's hard out there for Clay Thompson, too. You know, <laughs> hopefully things change as this series shifts to the Bay. I feel like it will. I feel I feel like Clay will get, you know, some of that, some of that mojo back, you know, shooting the ball well. And yeah, I think, you know, the Bay Area, it might turn into the Yay area, as E40 would say. Okay. So I'll say my player to watch. My player to watch for uh Golden State. I'll say it's uh Jordan Poole actually. Because it's a pool party. Is it? Like, it's a that's pool party. It was yes. a pool party in the first round. Oh, it's still a pool party. It's still it was a, a, it was a lit. Had, it was a lit pool had, party in the first round. I mean, he went off. They they had bottles and models at that pool party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all of that <laughs> at the pool party. But I'm saying, like, if he's gonna take the level to be thought of in the tier like the Tyler Hero, right? The young player that getting buckets that we put put some respect on that young man name coming in there, or he just he just hot right now, right? Like he hot, he had a good season. It was a lot of injuries, but like, what's gonna happen? I know one person that was affected was All Star Andrew Wiggins when Clay came back. Wiggins turned into a a, a different person. He was he's supposed to be an All Star, but uh, Jordan Poole, he's gonna he's gonna have to uh, be more consistent with his shot. I think if he could just give them somewhere between 18, 20 points a game, because if you think about it, he's the third scorer on that team. They got Stephen Clay, of course, Draymond facilitating, and you got Jordan Poole. If he could be that spark plug for him, I think that'll be good for him this year and moving forward. Yep, I agree. He is also my player to watch, Jordan Poole. And, yes, that man is still hot. In round two, he's still averaging what 26, still shooting yeah. 55 56 percent. Like, he is just flat out on fire. No matter if he's coming off the bench, if he's starting, you could put him 10th man, 12th man rotation, it don't matter. He's going to give you 26. It, 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 that's just, I just can't see him cooling off. He fits this, he, he knows his role well, he do what he do best, and that's go get buckets. I mean, I like Poole, but since he started hot, he cooled off. His average down to 22 now. I mean, he had a couple games he cooled off, especially towards the, the end of that first-round series. Adjusting to, the, adjusting to the physicality. Oh, yeah, he did have the last, last two games. I think he went, what, 11 and 8? Yeah, but, I mean, they, they packed him up. They packed him up, so it's not – like, he don't have to score, but I just want to see for himself, like, where is he at. Like, cause this is, I think, uh, he up for a payday soon. 
I think next year. So what yeah. they gonna do? Like he gonna he gonna ball or not? Keep it up. He making some money for himself right now. Yeah. All right. So important matchup, a thing to watch. John Morant and Steph Curry. You know they said yeah. it's going to be a battle, and that's what they said. That's and that's that's where everybody gonna be watching for Game Three. I want to see them two go at it. Uh, I just, I just don't think Josh should have told him that. But you know, I could see, I could see Steph coming out for fifty. You know, Josh, Josh just had what forty-seven. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Steph. Will match that Game Three. Will match. <laughs> give me fifty for Steph Curry. I just, I, but I like two competitive players though. They they're just talking, having fun, playing, you know, and that's the matchup I want to see. I, I agree, I agree, man. Steph Steph versus Jaw is the premier matchup of this series. Um, you know, I'm I'm also you know looking at the paint as well. What is Jaron Jackson Jr. going to give you? You know, he gave us 33 in Game One. Uh, didn't really have that same type of productivity in Game Two. Uh, <laughs> foul. Six fouls. Yeah, what he gonna give you? Fouls. It's just something he, yeah, he fouled out again in game two, just like he did all throughout the first round. Like all you know, his career. Like, come on, you gotta get, you got, you gotta stay on the floor, Jaron, man. But uh, I, I got, I agree. Stephen Jaw is the matchup. The back and forth is gonna be special this series. I think y'all overlooking one matchup, and that's my matchup to watch. My matchup to watch is Draymond Green versus the world. And he don't <laughs> care what anybody got to say. And he going to say something like they suspended uh, and they suspended uh, Dylan Brooks, but they had to. And we was talking yeah. about it. I don't think Draymond should have got, should have got ejected for the quote unquote flagrant two. Where the referee said he grabbed him by the jersey and threw him down to the ground. And now, once you eject Draymond for that, you open up the box. And then all Dylan Brooks did was slap uh, Gary Payton on the back of the head. And now he got ejected and suspended because Gary Payton tried to land on his arm. He, he was, def- he was, he was airborne and kind of like. I don't know how to land. You know, if he didn't, if, with if, he, if he didn't, yeah, if he didn't fracture his elbow, Dylan probably wouldn't have got, you know, ejected. It's a common foul. That's what I think. It's, maybe it's a probably, play, maybe it's a flagrant, probably a flagrant one. Yeah. Like, because I don't think a lot of this flagrant one, flagrant two stuff comes with the reaction. It, but, oh, yes. I got shot. Well, oh, I'm laying on the ground for 30 seconds holding yeah, my face because I want the referees to look. It's like a lot of it goes with that. But uh Gary Payton ain't the type of dude to do that. So I think he would have popped right back up like, like I ain't worried about this. But yeah. since his elbow was fractured, <laughs> he yeah. ain't popped back up. He knew something was wrong right away. So that's why I'm going to say Draymond Green versus the world. And then, all right, let's get to it. Series predictions. How y'all see this thing shaking out? You could go first, Julie. In this series, uh, I mean, before the uh, series round two started, I had Golden State in six. <laughs> you know, game two, game two was tight. It went down, well, actually, both games went down to the wire. Uh, but just as easy as 
Memphis could be up 2-0. Golden State could also be up 2-0. Now you got to go to Golden State for games three and four, in which I do not see Memphis winning. So I, I want to say Memphis in five, but Golden State in five. Uh, huh? Golden State in five. I mean, I want to say Golden State in five, but game five, you know, they're gonna be whooping that trick. So uh <laughs> I got Golden State in six. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna do Golden State in six. Um, I think it's gonna, you know, be two two going into Game Five, and you know, Memphis just has a lot of playoff immaturity, man. I don't think they'll be able to win a crucial game, Game Five, with this with against this team. They were able to get away with that with Minnesota, with how Minnesota was tricking and treating, like it was Halloween. I couldn't understand it. I thought it was October. The way they was tricking and treating, I couldn't understand it. But um, but they're not going to be able to do that against Golden State, especially if Golden Golden State is really adjusting to the physicality that Memphis plays with. And I think Steph is going to go off. I think you know it's going to be a close game five um, when they get back to Memphis, and Golden State's going to close this out in in game in uh, game six. And it's going to be an unfortunate because we're going to have to light up the grit and grind pack. Unfortunately for John Morant, but. That's just what I it's gonna see, be like. I want to see seven so bad. I, I do, why, I, yeah. and that's why I got Golden State in seven, and the hero of Game Seven being Clay Thompson going for thirty-seven points. <laughs> like, I think that this series is bound to go seven games, and I think Memphis is a year out. Yeah, I think they're a year out. They're progressing right. They made the playoffs. Got eliminated first round. This year made the playoffs, make it to the second round, maybe get get to game seven against Golden State next year, revamp and retool, and then they're gonna make their real push. Uh I like what they're doing. The only reason I can't go Memphis, and none of us are really going Memphis, is because I don't think they're quite ready yet. Like Ja, I told you Ja could go 47. Next game, he going 21-22. Desmond Bain, I think he could be consistently giving you between 16 and 22, maybe a little bit more. Uh, Dylan Brooks, he could get hot. He's streaky. He'll either be hot or cold. You got Jaron Jackson. He might go off, but he's going to be in foul trouble. Steven Adams, they can't even play Steven Adams. So it's like, and they're deep. They got a lot of wings that they put out there. I like Tyus Jones even though he went to Duke. Uh, he's a solid backup point guard. I like DeAnthony Melton that they bring in. I like uh, Kyle Anderson. He comes in off the bench for him. So they got pieces. They got pieces. I just think they need a little bit more of this playoff experience before they make a deeper run next year. So I got Golden State in seven. Game six, Clay going to do them in. That's what you think? Yeah. Mr. Game six. Game six. Game I just don't understand when when Memphis close games, they have both Jaron Jackson and Clark in the game at the same time going against that death lineup of Golden State. I don't understand why you play Jaron Jackson and Clark at the same time. It's like because they both could guard like two through five. But the problem is Golden State got two ones out there. <laughs> so like, if they end up getting matched up on pool or Steph, like 
then you compromise the defense because they're getting by you getting two feet in the paint. Then you have to get help in rotations. And then that's when you at the mercy of Golden State swinging a rock. Yep, especially when they get the rebound and push and transition. That's how they got Memphis in game one. I just we're gonna see. I don't know why they don't play Stephen Adams like that no more. I'm, I'm about willing to say you don't need to play Jan Jackson anymore. Stephen Adams is slow in the pick Adams and roll. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You you are you are right about that. But yeah, y'all got any closing thoughts? Um I want to see seven, but I don't think seven. But my closing thought is I like Boston. I do think this is their year. Now, will they win it? I think all they do have to do is get past Milwaukee. Um, Miami, they'll probably beat Miami in six. I, I just can't see Boston beating either Golden State or Phoenix. So after this year, I don't know if Boston going to break up, stay together, what they're going to do, or they're going to run it back. You know, I don't know because I think Horford is is about due. I think he's he's about tired. He might retire. Uh, and Horford is a big piece of that team. So yeah, I, I, I'm with. I'm willing to see. You know what what happened with Boston, and I don't need anybody to mess up Phoenix and Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. I need both of them to be fully yeah. healthy. I I need that matchup. I need that yeah. matchup too. And you know, the, out of these four series. Two of them are really good. Two of them are really mid. Um, you know, the way they got it paired where, you know, Heat and Philly and Suns and Mavs play on the same night. I mean, you yes. may, go ahead and may, do do all your do all your chores and all your stuff that night. But the night that the Grizzlies and Warriors play and the, the Celtics and Bucks play, exactly. make sure that you make sure you're front of the TV for that. You know, that that's my takeaway. But you know, this pool party gonna stay jumping. The cabanas are going to be lit. Jordan Poole got the bottles and models out there. You know, uh, the VIP section is booming and bunking. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's going to keep going. Actually, my final thoughts. I've been enjoying the playoffs so far. Like, I really think you've seen a lot of players step up. And I'm just excited to see, like, that's what my focus is on. Like, what players are ready to take it up a notch? Like, Luke, are you ready to be talked about in the top five? Like, legit, legit, like, universally? I know some people got him in the top five already. But are you ready to put your stamp on it? Uh, Jason Tatum, you locked up KD in the first round. You trying to be in the uh, the conversation with, like, hey, I'm the next small forward. I'm the future black mom, but like Julius said. Like, how are these young players looking to elevate uh, their games and their perception? And then I'm just looking, ready for the uh, the next round, really. I'm ready to see how this continues to progress and trying to see some potential uh, Eastern and Western Conference Finals matchup that could be really good, whether Miami and whoever they play out of that matchup, uh, Milwaukee or Boston. And then can you just imagine a Phoenix-Golden State series? Like that, that's something that could be, like, dynamic. I could see both yeah. of those going seven. Uh, both of the conference finals going seven. A lot of stakes yeah. on the line. Uh, a lot of futures of the teams on the line. Uh, it's really something that we're looking into, ready to see if teams develop, players individually develop, and how this thing shakes out. 
But yeah, this has been episode two of the Give and Go podcast. Make sure you guys look us up on all podcast platforms. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us all on social media. Follow me at FreshPrince underscore 252. Follow Juju Beans underscore 12. And follow Dr. Esquire Dave on all social media platforms. I appreciate y'all rocking with us for this long. This has been episode two. Thank y'all for checking in. We'll be back next week. See you.